Hi there, welcome to the Kids Way Podcast. We are a podcast committed to helping kids stay in the way of the King. And if you've never heard of King Jesus, well get ready, you are going to love Him. We pray that you would also learn more about what it means to be on His narrow way. We also use various tools to encourage and teach, from fictional stories to scripture reading, to music and sometimes even bringing in some kids to contribute. You can find us online at www.kidsway.ca and there you will find links to our Facebook page and also other info about Kidsway. Before getting into today's episode, we want to thank Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music collection. If you would like to check out more of Jamie's music, you can find him at soulmusic.ca. That's www.solmusic.ca. Well, let's get to the story. We pray you are encouraged and pointed to King Jesus through today's episode. Welcome back to Kids Way. Today we will continue with our story, Shamgar and the Unlikely Bride. Today we will be reading Chapter 2, The Rescuer. The great angel cried, Let it begin. And I will never forget what happened next. I braced myself to feel the sting of the scourge that seemed to be the first in line, But then instead I heard the sound of my guard and the other warriors kneeling to the ground, the sound like mighty trees falling in the forest or a drift of snow sliding off of the roof. And to my amazement, the strangers all knelt low to the ground with their heads down as though they had been brought into the presence of a mighty king. I glanced around for what had caused the change in posture but saw nothing at first. And then my eye caught him. Certainly not who I would expect to cause such a reaction from these powerful men. He was an ordinary man, but I did not recognize him at first. His appearance was common, and his stature more similar to my own. My eyes strained to see him through the rain, that I might see if I knew him and could plead for help. And yet, while he looked to be a citizen of Arden, when his eyes glanced my way, it was as though he was peering into the depths of my soul, as though I was exposed before him. But his gaze was not filled with hate or malice, but rather as one full of kindness and ready to forgive. As I looked upon him, I felt a sense of hope rise in my soul, for perhaps he could tell these men that I should deserve a second chance and should not be chosen to be an example to the rest of Arden with the woman beside me. But then the man spoke, and as the sound of his voice hit my ears, I immediately knew who he was, and could not believe he was here, and that these giants seemed not only to know him, but to highly revere him. I knew him by the name Joshua, the son of a well-known woodworker. We were close to the same age because I remember him as a child, and how my own father and mother talked about the questionable circumstances around his birth. 
Something about not knowing who his father was and the claims of his mother having been visited by a secret messenger to tell her about the life of a child. As a boy, I did not pay too much attention to the stories, for I was more interested in playing and practicing my swordsmanship. Because Arden is a very large city, we never really spent a lot of time together growing up. My future was set from the time my father first held me in his arms, and so I had begun my military training before I could even walk. But Joshua worked with his father and was known to read the ancient books in his spare time. I often mocked him for holding on to the old stories that I had forsaken. And then as he grew, he began acting even more strange. He spoke of many teachings that many mocked him for, and I admit that I too laughed when I heard the rumors. He claimed that he had come into Arden to show her the way again, to guide her back into the true and abundant life. He claimed that he had a father in a distant land, and that we could not see nor go to, but rather had to go through him. Admittedly, he was an impressive magician, which seemed to keep the crowd following him. I mean, he never claimed to be a magician, but it was the only way that I could explain some of the things he had done. Healing people, walking on water, telling a storm to be still, or even feeding thousands of people from the lunch of a single boy. I suppose the most impressive of all was when a woman claimed that he had actually raised her brother from the dead. I wasn't there, so I called her a fool for falling for his tricks when she told me. And while many of the city officials grew tired of him, I learned to ignore him and brush him off as a crazy man with some sleight-of-hand skills. Now, in the cold of the night and the horror of what had been decreed of me, I found myself ashamed of my mocking voice. I found myself wanting to ask him for help, but unable to speak because I knew that he recognized me as one of the many scoffers. Perhaps he had come to now mock me as I was about to die and be tortured to death. Perhaps he had only come to gloat over my foolishness, and so I stared at the cold, wet stones on which I knelt, rendered speechless and once again feeling utterly alone. Surely no one could help me now. But once again, I was shocked by what unfolded as I listened. Joshua spoke to the mighty warriors of Mamlika, and said, Servants of my father, the high king, it is for this hour that my father has sent me into the city of Arden. While you had longed to look into the ways of my father, you will now see that which you have not expected. The creator will suffer in the place of the creature. The judge will be condemned in the place of the criminal. For your fellow servants who rebelled against my fathers, you saw no such mercy. For they were cast into gloomy darkness out of my father's presence, never again to stand as warriors of Mamlika. But it is not so with the sons of Adam and citizens of Arden. For my father has covenanted with me, before the ages began, that we would set our favor upon the people of Arden, that they might see the kindness and grace of my father, your king. You have done well to walk in obedience to your instruction and execute these citizens here tonight according to the laws of Mamlika. However, I now share with you the reason for my coming here, the plan which my father and I, along with my great physician, had purposed before the creation of all things. I now come forward to receive the punishment due to these citizens of Arden. I will take the scourge upon myself. I will drink in full the goblet of fury. And I must be nailed to the wall of Arden, as a display to all in Arden that the High King does not overlook the rebellion of those who refuse to acknowledge him as the creator and giver of life. For this is why I left the great kingdom of my father, that through me I might spare these too. 
for my father has given me this woman to be my bride in the great kingdom, and I have raised up this man Shamgar, that he might lead my betrothed to the wedding feast in that distant land. There they will dwell with me forever, and abide in the joy of my father's kingdom. No more will man be separate from my father, but through me he will forever dwell in my father's glory. At this, the mighty messengers who held the book spoke with reverence in his voice. My prince, he said, surely it is not for us to change that which you, who are three and yet one, have decreed. It is our desire to do the will of your father, for that is the purpose for which we have been made. But my lord, surely we cannot kill you whom we love and serve. We can execute these vile citizens of Arden, for we know they fully deserve the wrath of our king. But my lord, you are the prince of our great kingdom, the joy of your father, the king, the one whom the great healer loves to exalt. Please do not ask that we kill you while you are in this dwelling of flesh. Truly, such a command would be against the very fiber of our existence. Joshua spoke with compassion in his voice. Don't worry, Kael, for I know that you are loyal and that to bring harm to your prince would be impossible for you. Before I came here this night, I told the servant of Pharaoh that there is trouble in the town square and that the city officials and guards must come. Soon they will be here in great number. You and your men may make yourself unseen again to the people of Arden, and the people of Arden must then choose whom they will execute, me or these two who are before us. Joshua said this as he pointed to me and the woman beside me. He continued, Because they already seek my life and hate my teaching, which I have brought, they will certainly choose to execute me according to the plan of my father. For generations now, they have used the wall to hang condemned criminals as a way to warn those who enter Arden, and this too has been appointed by my father, that the decree of Mamlika might be fulfilled in me. Go now, my faithful servants, and I will see you again when all is fulfilled." From where I was, I could sense that there was hesitation in Kael's voice, but he respectfully asked Joshua, My king, there is something that puzzles me, something I must ask if I may. You may ask, Kael, Joshua responded. Well, it's about this woman, Ada, said Kael. And when he mentioned her name, I spun my head around in disbelief, for I did know who she was, but did not recognize her in such company. She had been around Arden for as long as I can remember. She said she was a runaway daughter of a distant king. Of course, no one believed her because she never acted like royalty. In fact, she was homeless as far as I knew. She sold herself to the highest bidder on the corner of the barracks. I admit I, like every other soldier in Arden, indulged once or twice. But she had grown more repulsive over the years. She went around in rags and always had open sores on her body. Basically, people were just waiting for her to die and get out of the way. But as I considered the words of Joshua, now in the context of him being the great prince of the great city of Mamlika, my mind was unable to believe what I heard. Surely I misunderstood what Joshua had said to Kael about his desire to die for this woman when nobody would have given a bent nickel for her. And I listened carefully to Kael's question and waited eagerly, as did the host with Kael, for Joshua's response. Joshua smiled at Kael and said, Yes, my loyal servant, I can see why it would be puzzling to you and your warriors of light. 
But my father and I have decreed, before the ages began, that we would set our favor upon her, and that through her we might display the full extent of our grace and the power of the great healer, whom you know and love. For you see, our ways are not your ways, nor are they the ways of Arden. But as high as the stars are above the earth, so are our ways above all others. And then with confidence resounding in his voice, Joshua said, Truly, I say to you that when I welcome her into my kingdom, you will stand amazed at her beauty and glory. For the healer whom I will give to her will transform her broken, diseased, and hopeless life. And because I will willingly stand before her and my servant Shamgar and absorb the full wrath of my father against them, they will rise in the splendor and glory of my own resurrection. Once again, as Joshua spoke, my mind was not able to grasp what he meant or what he was talking about. It was as though I heard the words but did not understand their meaning. Of course, it was later that I would recall the words of Joshua that night and understand what it is that he meant. Without any further questions, Kael said, It is my joy to serve you, my prince, and to offer my men and I in the fulfillment of this great mission to bring your bride into your glorious city. With that, Joshua said, Yes, Kael, you will bring honor to me as you work in the realm of the unseen on behalf of my bride. Go now in peace. And with that, Kael, along with his men, vanished without a trace. If it had not been for Joshua who remained, I would have concluded that the entire event was a result of my drinking at lunch. But I knew that this was real and that the decree from Mamlika must now be fulfilled. I stood shivering in the rain, not knowing where to go or what to do. In the distance, I heard the sound of men gathering together, no doubt in response to the word given to the leaders by Joshua. In a matter of moments, they would be here, and I had no idea what would unfold. Joshua walked over to where Ada lay on the ground. It seemed from her lack of sustenance and the trauma of the entire evening that she had become unconscious. Joshua knelt down, Joshua knelt down and tore a small piece of cloth from his robe and after dipping it in the pooling water beside her, he proceeded to wash her feet. I cringed inside as he touched her feet, for I could see the oozing sores upon them and felt repulsed at the thought of touching them. The mud and manure from her feet ran into the street, but as I looked back, her feet were as clean as though she had just been born. The sores and wounds that were there a few minutes ago seemed to wash off with the mud and mire. Joshua looked at me from where he knelt and said, Behold, Shamgar, I make all things new, and what she is externally you are also internally. As my blood is poured out, you too will be cleansed from the mire and disease of your sin. And when I go back to prepare a place for my bride, I will send to you both the Helper, my great healer who will go with you and will be my presence within you to give you strength and guide you to my glorious city. I stood speechless, knowing that he was right. My sin was as grotesque as the broken and diseased body of Ada. For the first time in my life, I hated it. I wanted to be free of it. I wanted to be clean. And so I wept and asked Joshua for mercy and to make me clean as he had washed the feet of Ada. Would he wash me from within? Joshua placed his hand upon me and spoke the sweetest words that I have ever heard. He said, Shamgar, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. 
Then Joshua removed his outer cloak and covered Ada with it. His strong arms reached underneath her and picked her up, and he carefully placed her in my arms and said to me, Shamgar, the time has come for me to fulfill the will of my father, the great king. You watch over Ada, for soon the council will be here, and I will be handed over to be put to death. And as I looked into the face of this mysterious and gracious prince, I noticed that sweat was running down his face, and it seemed that the drops were red in color. But then I thought perhaps it was due to the flicker of the torchlight, causing my eyes to play tricks. And Joshua said, In three days I will meet you again. Remain in the city, and I will give you further instruction. Just as I reached the edge of the plaza and leaned against the wall, I saw the mob of torchlight enter into the plaza. Joshua stood alone in the middle, holding that book that Kael must have left. The pharaoh stood forth and spoke. All right, Joshua, what's going on? Where's all this trouble that you were talking about? And then he looked irritated as he spoke. Or is this another one of your tricks? At that, Joshua held up the book and said, Pharaoh, you know the history of Arden, how your forefathers were all but destroyed by the great flood that covered Arden in water and destroyed all but the chosen family to restore the city. And you also know that fire was sent from above by the great city of Mamlika to consume a portion of the city as a warning of the final day to come. While you have said you deny the accounts of your forefathers, this very night the city of Mamlika once again prepares to judge the city for her refusal to pay homage to the great city of the great king. Here in my hand I have the decree from the great city, which states that at least one must die by way of the scourge and then be nailed to the wall of Arden. The messengers from Mamlika had chosen Shamgar and Ada, but you must now choose." Pharaoh stepped closer to Joshua and then read from the book in Joshua's hand, and as his body language communicated a sense of seriousness, he turned and faced the people of Arden who had not only come with him, but also those who had begun to gather to see what the commotion was about. He said, Good people of Arden, it has been decreed that this night at least one from Arden must die because of our crimes against that great city. Those from that city have determined to kill Shamgar, who was one of our beloved soldiers, and the woman we know as Ada. But I present to you another option, this man Joshua, whose teaching and claims we have all grown tired of. With that, the people gave a shout of approval. They began to, sh they began to chant with one voice, We choose Joshua! We choose Joshua! Pharaoh raised his hands to silence the people, and then to my horror he looked to where I was, against the wall still holding Ada, who was stirring awake. With confidence in his voice, Pharaoh asked me, What do you say, Shamgar? Will you die to spare Joshua? Without even time to think about my response, my instinct to survive and preserve myself took over and I called back. Why would I die for a man I don't even know? Surely I stand with the people. And Ada spoke with what strength she had. Please, anyone but me, I don't want to die. As soon as the words left my mouth, it was as though a blanket of shame covered me and I wanted to take back my words, but they had gone out never to be taken back. I glanced to where Joshua was standing, and as I turned my head his way, I realized that he was looking at me with a look of pain mingled with a quiet confidence.
I felt as though I had not only returned back to the same Shamgar that had stumbled upon the warriors of Mamlika, but now had plunged to a depth of depravity and wickedness that even I had never known before. I looked down at the wet stones under my feet, and sorrow filled my soul. I knew Joshua didn't have to step forward when I was about to be scourged along with Ada. He could have not said a word, and I would have been a dead man. And yet now I wasn't even willing to call myself his friend, much less step in harm's way on his behalf. Even though I had been training my entire life to protect others, I suddenly realized that I'd only ever cared about myself, and the mission to protect was nothing more than a guise to promote myself. My mind went back to that fateful day when I saw a similar look of pain upon the face of my own father. As a child, I was fascinated by the stories he told of the distant city and the people who wore the imago and the great king from which all life came and to which all life must return. But as I grew older, I grew tired of his stories, for I did not find any tangible evidence to verify his claims. While he was loyal to Arden and wanted to see me progress through the ranks of the military, he also grew more and more passionate about the city which none had seen. One day he told me that he was going to set out on a search for the city and wanted me to come along. I told him that he was growing crazy and that ever since Mum had died in the plague that he had never been the same. With pride in my heart I told him that I would never go and that if he went then at least I wouldn't have to hear about his mythical city any more. And with tears in his eyes he turned and walked out of the great gate of Arden. Our neighbors mocked him and laughed him to scorn, and to my everlasting shame I joined in and renounced him as my father. I haven't slept well since, and only wish that one day I can tell him I'm sorry. As my mind raced through the days gone by, I began to weep uncontrollably, for I see that I will never truly change. I will always conform to those around me, despite what I know to be right. A man stood before me that may even have answers to where my father is. A man who is the very prince of that great city stood before me and spared my life, and I once again joined the very people who would have just as quickly handed me over to death if it was to their advantage. I wanted to die to end my miserable life. Truly, I knew I did not deserve to breathe another breath. Justice would be for my heart to cease its beating song. Just as it happened to our forefathers, I deserved to be swept away in a flood of judgment or consumed in a pillar of fire from heaven. In some strange way, I expected it to happen. But suddenly I was brought back to reality as I heard the people cheer. Quickly, I looked up and saw that they had chained Joshua to the wall, and one of my fellow soldiers laughed as he began to whip Joshua repeatedly. assure you there are better things ahead so we do not lose heart even though our outer man is melting like the dew yet our inner man is new and all these light afflictions are only for a time and they work for us a greater weight a greater weight of glory all the time thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode Tune in next time and we'll see what happens as our story continues. Remember, if you would like to write to us or find out more information, you can find us online at www.kidsway.ca. 
And don't forget to head over to www.soulmusic.ca to find many more songs that Jamie Souls has written and recorded. See you next time. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.